The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, it's one o'clock. Three hundred barn finds on display. We are in America's Web Radio from Atlanta, Georgia. We are in Let's Talk, Venezuela. David Moxley, the legend, is with me, and Brett is at the controls. And uh, well, uh, there is a lot of interesting news. Uh, from Venezuela right now that um, we, are, we are transmitting today. Um, my first idea is to say hello to the people of my uh, class in high school that helped me from Venezuela to uh, select the news uh, from the uh, Christ the the King High School in Caracas, Venezuela, and uh, let's go with the with the break on news. Information Network. Look for us as a group on Facebook. And to the generous donations of listeners of this station, www.americaswebradio.com. What to expect from the visit of the International Criminal Court Chief Prosecutor to Venezuela? Kareem Khan arrives in Venezuela to decide whether to close or advance the investigation on crimes against humanity. The relatives of some victims and experts share their expectations. Keiru Yonakura, November 1, 2021. How did this process start? On September 27, 2018, Argentina, Canada, Chile, Colombia, Paraguay and Peru filed a report before the Office of the Chief Prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, ICC, on human rights violations and crimes against humanity in Venezuela as per the Rome Statute committed since February 12, 2014. After that, by an initiative of Fatou Bensouda, the chief prosecutor at the time, the remission known as Venezuela, I entered the preliminary exam that's going through the third of four phases, awaiting for Kareem Khan to start the fourth phase of interest of justice, better known as the investigation phase. When she left the position, Ben Sutter recommended the case enter the investigation phase. What's Phase 3? At this moment, in Phase 3, the ICC is checking if Venezuela I, is being properly investigated by the Venezuelan state, which is who must do it in the first place. The ICC doesn't replace the state's responsibility on preventing and punishing international crimes. In Phase 1, the possible crimes were identified. 
In phase two, those crimes were evaluated with information provided mostly by civil society organizations. Now in phase three, the ICC must assess if those crimes are admissible according to its criteria. The information provided by the NGOs made it clear that the state had policies to respond to the nationwide unrest, such as the Guaycaipuro and Zamora repression plans, which resulted in massive violations of human rights by security forces. This pattern was present all over Venezuelan territory. This is why these crimes are considered crimes against humanity, one of the four kinds of crimes under the competence of the ICC. So far, the high-ranking officials involved have neither been investigated nor processed. What does the relief of Prosecutor Bensuda by Prosecutor Khan mean for Venezuela? I, According to Fernando Fernandez, criminal attorney and director of Monitor de Derechos Humanos, Khan isn't bound by Bensuda's final recommendation, he can widen the investigation and include other crimes such as enforced disappearances mentioned in the OAS document and the remission submitted by the six member states. There's already work that is hard to reverse, given that Khan's team is mostly the same as Bensuda's and has been working thoroughly on the crimes committed in Venezuela. Additionally, the new prosecutor hired 16 new officers, among them Claudio Grossman, who has huge knowledge of our country, after being part of the Inter-American Commission of Human Rights. What's the reason for Khan's visit to Venezuela? This is an institutional visit to discuss issues of the Venezuelan justice system. Nothing else. Ali Daniels, director of NGO Acheso La Justicia, explains, The purpose of the visit isn't to condemn or absolve anyone but to continue the preliminary exam. The prosecutor isn't coming to approve the policies of the Venezuelan state or to congratulate it. We need to be aware that a photo with a probable perpetrator doesn't imply a validation of his innocence or guilt. We are not at that stage of the process. However, given Khan's experience, the visit could also bring more than just handshakes. For lawyer Mariano de Alba, it will allow the prosecutor and his team to observe on the ground the diversity of information they have been gathering. The fact the visit is happening sends the message that Khan expects Venezuelan authorities, especially the attorney general and the courts, to make tangible progress on the investigation and trials of those responsible. Khan will try to evaluate the steps or changes the Maduro government is supposedly making and confirm how solid the conclusions reached by Bensuda are. We can't forget that on February 11, 2020, the Chavista government submitted the remission known as Venezuela II, which alleges the United States has been affecting Venezuelans' human rights since 2014. This remission is also on a preliminary exam and, of course, will be discussed in Caracas with Khan. Is there a link between Khan's visit and the suspended negotiation in Mexico? No. The dialogue in Mexico dealt with political issues, 
while the prosecutor's visit will address only judicial matters. Is Khan going to have meetings with the victims and their relatives? No such meetings were confirmed by the time of writing. But even if there aren't any meetings, the prosecutor already has a good deal of information coming from NGOs and lawyers in charge of several cases. Joel Garcia, Juan Requesens and Roland Carreño's lawyer, says, whoever meets Khan, must tell him that Venezuela is deprived of a proper structure to prosecute crimes against humanity committed in the country. First, our laws don't consider the types of crime established in Article 7 of the Rome Statute. Second, we'll never reach the top of the chain of command, where direct orders were issued to make the officers perpetrate torture and killings. Investigations can, for instance, lead to the sentencing of the sergeant that killed David Valanilla, or even know that the officers responsible for Captain Rafael Acosta Arevalo's death didn't torture him just because they wanted to, but because they were following orders someone else had given. Nothing else. So we really need the ICC to take a case right to the end, in order to effectively sanction all the criminals. Elvira Pernalit, the mother of Juan Pablo Pernalit, a student killed by the GNB, and member of Association de Familiars y Victimas del 2017, says that we want to be heard by Khan, not only on crimes against humanity, but also on the reigning impunity. We want him to include us in his schedule to have real, effective justice, after all these years without our kids. Are recent releases and renovations of jails relevant for the ICC? No. Daniels says it's evident these reforms are totally cosmetic and don't change the generalized structural situation of human rights violations and crimes against humanity. Not even including a paragraph in the Criminal Process Organic Code, COP, to declare an apprehension invalid if it's made without the constitutional exceptions is a relevant change, although the ICC could see this reform as a positive gesture from Chavismo, because the ICC may ignore that since 2001, after sentence 526 by the Supreme Tribunal of Justice TSJ, Arbitrary detention was normalized, and with it, the violation of due process and right to freedom. According to Garcia, this sentence has been followed for a long time, so they must have included this new paragraph on COP in September to make the ICC think they respect liberties. In other words, to hide that extended arbitrary detention is the first step to commit other crimes such as jailing three Funderides activists, a FAES officer torturing Lt. Franklin Caldera, seven officers killing Councilman Fernando Albin and PNB officers killing Wilderman Paredes in Merida, or the sexual abuse against Judge Maria Lord Afiuni, among many others. Yvonne Toro, the coordinator of ULA's Human Rights Observatory Law Department, says that the COP reform created norms such as the law against hate, which has served to prosecute people for protesting, or to establish a pattern present in Merida of linking university and community leaders with homicide cases. 
They say the cop brings guarantees, but that can't happen if the same judges and prosecutors enforce the laws supposed to check their actions and the officers have no knowledge, autonomy or impartiality. Da Alba says that the Maduro government seems to forget that the ICC was designed to seek investigation and trial of the highest-ranking people responsible for the crimes. As long as this isn't happening, it's very likely that the prosecutor will want to start the investigation phase. What happened with the request of judicial control introduced by Attorney General Tariq William Saab in May 2021? The preliminary questions room of the ICC dismissed the request on June 14, a day before the end of Ben Suda's term, a decision made public two weeks later. The challenge was declared inadmissible because it was premature, irrelevant and not pertinent. Saab couldn't appeal that decision. What can we expect from Khan during what remains of this year? The ICC isn't forced to open investigations, but it has to reach a decision on remissions. So a pronouncement from Khan is more likely than opening the investigation phase for Venezuela I. What could happen after? Khan can close the preliminary exam and avoid taking it to the investigation phase, can start phase 4, or can keep the remission in phase 3. Fernandez says that the first scenario is what the government wants, although it wouldn't acknowledge the victims. The second scenario is what everybody except the government wants. The third scenario would allow the ICC to go deeper into what Ben Suda didn't document enough, such as killings, the crimes the ICC hasn't considered as elements for analysis yet. To go deeper into the current phase is part of what Carmen Arroyo, mother of Christian Cherries, killed by FAES, is demanding. My son's case is at the Office of the Fact-Finding Mission, the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights and Amnesty International. We just met with the commissioner in charge of the case in Venezuela and knew the government wasn't paying attention to the demands the commissioner made to Attorney General Tariq William Saab and the foreign ministry. My case is three years old. The person who killed my son hasn't been indicted or even suspended. That man is active at El Halicoid in the FAES tactic group that supports the CICPC operations. I've seen him several times and you can imagine what that means for me and all the mothers at the organization de familiars de victimas de violations de derechos humanos. I implore Prosecutor Khan to not stop because so far we've been asking the murderer for justice. How will Phase 4 be? Even if there's no deadline for Phase 4, more detailed investigations on the relevant events to prepare specific cases against concrete individuals would take place. The ICC doesn't judge the responsibility of a state, but criminal individual responsibility. Fernandez says that all this would imply acting on the judicial and forensic levels. The ICC would require more evidence. Of course, the ICC would need cooperation from the authorities to require evidence and secure it for the trials.
This means an ICC team will move to Venezuela to investigate more, ensure follow-up and offer technical assistance to Venezuelan authorities to advance the investigations and trials. What if Venezuela leaves the Rome Statute? If the process remains open, it will continue, because the crimes were perpetrated while Venezuela was a signatory of the statute. Naturally, leaving the statute would prove the government wouldn't cooperate. Why are the crimes exposed in Venezuela irrelevant not only to victims, their relatives and lawyers, but also to all Venezuelans? Daniels says that when we talk about crimes against humanity, that means they are generalized and systematic, that they are state policy, so they affect the entire Venezuelan population, not only a particular group of individuals. Anyone who dares to dissent for being a political actor or just for protesting against a blackout can be a victim of repression. We saw it in Rufo Chacon's case a young man deprived of his sight just for protesting the lack of cooking gas. After this message... You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. The views, opinions, and content of the show's hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the association. This is David Donaldson with the Atlanta Healing Center, conveniently located in Lawrenceville, Georgia. At AHC, your success is our goal. Addiction recovery is about more than just not using. It's about becoming a whole person and, 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 and addressing all aspects of your physical, psychological, and social needs. Please call us at 770-696-9862, or you can reach us on the web at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, we're back in Let's Talk Venezuela, and the last news about the visit of the uh, attorney of the International Crime Court that is based in uh, Hague in Netherlands is the court decide to go ahead with the phase fourth. That means a lot because now we can put names on responsibles on crimes against humanity in Venezuela. Um, it's very interesting because this person went to Venezuela, talked to the authorities in Venezuela, had not any other kind of uh, meeting with the families of the victims, but after the, the, he paid a visit on the different places, decided to go ahead 
with the investigation and uh, create the uh, framework to go to the fourth phase that is the most important thing. Well, uh, we have uh, an other uh, legal uh, uh, news and let's go with the number three. A judge in Barinas annulled the dismissal of 50 Venezuelan police officers accused of human rights violations. Caracas, a Venezuelan court annulled the dismissal requested by the prosecutor's office for a group of 50 police officers accused of human rights violations during the anti-government protests of 2017 and 2018. The NGO Una Ventana a la Libertad, UVL, reported on Monday. Through a press release, the organization indicated that the measure affects around 50 police officers from the state of Barinas, who appear to be involved in actions that violate human rights during protests called by opponents of the ruling party over the years. 2017 and 2018 According to the text that cites statements by Judge Umberto José Zambrano, among those accused of these events is Commissioner Luis Ramon Valor, Supervisor Lundomar Angarita, Chief Officer Carlos Alfonso Rivas and Attaché Officer Yurame del Carmen Crespo. The NGO added that the judge said that investigations against the police officers would continue. Five days after, the Chief Prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, ICC, Karim Khan, visited Venezuela and announced an investigation into the country for allegations of human rights violations during the demonstrations in 2017 and mistreatment of opponents in some prisons. Khan determined that, while the preliminary examination has not identified any suspect or target, the investigation is aimed at determining the truth and whether or not there are grounds to bring charges against anyone. President Nicolas Maduro received the ICC decision with respect, although he clarified that he does not share it. In recent months, the public ministry of Venezuela has sent reports on the performance of justice in the country. The Venezuelan authorities are also carrying out reforms in the justice system, which the opposition denounces as a makeup. Okay. Now we got it. the pressure against the government of Venezuela create a new way to decisions on uh, the side of the judges. Before this uh, visit, the judges said an act according what the government the central government decides. Now it's a different uh, tune because the judges know that if the International Criminal Court uh, decides so, they would be responsible on what happened with the person, such as uh, happens with the Eladio Aponte Aponte, when he decides 
and prosecute the judge Afuni in uh, a very famous case in Venezuela where the judge Afuni was uh, prosecuted because she followed the law. So what's going on right now? They wanted to cover up these 50 uh, police individuals in the Barina state that are accused of horrible uh, crimes against protesters in, in that place of Venezuela. But uh, by the way, is the place where uh, Hugo Chavez was born. So right now, the the judges are scared about their responsibility, and they have to decide if they follow the law and the and what the international community considers uh, crimes against humanity or if they, they protect the, the um, rights of the government to do whatever they please with the life and the rights of the people. And now it's a, a very interesting thing because uh, they are in a breakout position um it's it's very interesting how the justice works in Venezuela. The problem with Venezuela basically is that the justice never ever work uh really and uh, when you have a state that do not cover and protect the rights of the people. Uh, even though you said that that's a democracy is not just us so what is the next step let's wait and see but it's very interesting the, the, the process so with this idea we have a lot of other um, news about the complications that the Venezuelan government has because it's not only the International um, Crime Court but it's also inside now the judges are acting according to the law uh, but also the two other cases that are uh, right now in um, in uh, the international place, such as the Alex Saab and El Pollo Carvajal, that we will show in the next breaks. And let's go to, uh, after this message. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 
The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. The Carvajal Declarations The public ministry frames the confessions of the former head of the Venezuelan military intelligence Hugo Armando Carvajal Barrios in his intention to avoid his extradition to the United States for narco-terrorism and possession of weapons. Hugo Armando Carvajal Pollo Carvajal, former head of Venezuelan intelligence during the governments of Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro, before the judge of the National Court Manuel Garcia Castellan, in a maneuver to delay his delivery to the United States for narco-terrorism. The National Court has authorized the extradition of the Chavista military man to North America tried for allegedly collaborating with the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, FARC, to introduce cocaine into the country and weaken it. However, until the sending of it becomes effective it is blocked due to procedural defects Carvajal has already appeared twice in the Central Court of Instruction 6 on the alleged illegal financing of Podemos through the Venezuelan government. El Pollo Carvajal once again points to Manetero as a recipient of funds from Venezuela. El Pollo Carvajal once again points to Manetero as a recipient of funds from Venezuela. The former head of the Chavista counterintelligence has told that the party's founder, Juan Carlos Manetero, was the person who would have received the cash, different batches of 200,000 euros, that the state oil company PDVSA would have paid. Money that, according to the statements of the military man, who was a person of the highest confidence of Maduro, until he gave his support to Juan Guaido, would have arrived in Spain through a diplomatic bag to the Venezuelan embassy in Madrid. In addition to focusing on Manetero, Carvajal has revealed to Judge Garcia Castellan the identity of the politician's alleged frontmen. He also facilitated contact with senior Venezuelan officials, who could confirm his information as protected witnesses of an investigation reopened by the instructor on a regular party funding shelved in 2016. Carvajal has more valuable information but saves it. The prosecutor's office, represented in the last appearance of the Chavista military on October 27 by the chief prosecutor of the National Court, Jesus Alonso believes that Carvajal has more valuable information in his possession promote an investigation than the one he is providing to the judge. Public ministry sources believe that he is providing data to delay his delivery to the United States for as long as possible. He is not collaborating in the investigation as much as he could after his offer. Italy's prosecutor's office based in Milano, requests to question him about the alleged financing of the Five Star Movement. In the first statement on September 20, Carvajal provided documents with the seal of confirmation of the alleged deliveries of money to the party. In the second, he offered the names of the suspected frontmen and the context of the compromising information for the formation of Spanish left and the terms of the people who could corroborate it 
whom the judge will question as protected witnesses. As a result of his statement, the Milan Prosecutor's Office, Italy, has addressed the National High Court requesting to, to take a statement from him as a witness about the alleged irregular financing of Chavismo of the Five Star Populist Movement. Since Pollo Carvajal explained the system with which he allegedly financed Podemos was also repeated with other left-wing and populist movements worldwide, the Italian prosecutor's office also wants to listen to him. Hence, as El Confidential announced and sources from the National Court confirmed to this newspaper, it has issued a European investigation order to the Spanish Central Courts. Okay. As you can see, the case of uh, Pollo Carvajal continues. The most important thing is that he's he's uh, declaring and uh, he commits uh, crimes in Europe and he his first thing would be to check how deep those crimes are in Europe to prosecute him over there and then they will expel him from Europe and they're bringing over the United States to um, confront the charge of um, drug dealing uh, it's um, it's very sad that the highest authorities in Venezuela are involved in this kind of uh, uh, crimes. The other thing is that uh, he revealed how the Venezuela government for a long, long period of time are uh, involved into the local policies on other countries. And uh, that means that there's a high probability that th that kind of dirty money uh, is involved also in the um, United States politics. So it's something that has to be investigated also. With with this idea, we are going into the next um, commercial break, and we'll be back after these messages. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, the next news has to do again with uh, some complications in court for the Venezuelan government because Alex Saab began to talk to the uh, U.S. authorities about his involvement in the corruption uh, case that is being prosecuting against him in uh, Miami, Florida. And it's very interesting the kind of things that Mr. Saab has to say. Um, right now, in, to be in the government in Venezuela, you will have very, very dire Future, because everything is uh, is uh, in the courts in United States, in Venezuela, in Europe, and the and the projections are not good for them. Uh, with this idea, we're going to the next to the next uh, note. Evidence appears that Saab has already provided information from the Maduro government. The judicial situation of Alex Saab is about to be complicated by a prestigious professor from the University of Miami, Bruce Bagley, who is ready for next November 16th to accept charges of laundering and to point out the Colombian accomplices of this mega-operation. The resumption of the hearing against Alex Saab, extradited from Cape Verde, who faces a process for money laundering, is scheduled for November 15th. The next day will be Bagley's hearing, in which he will accept charges. The prestigious professor, an expert in drug trafficking and paramilitary issues, will declare who the Colombian allies were in the operation for which Saab will also have to respond. The newspaper El Tiempo exclusively agreed to the indictment. Among the jobs that Bagley accepted from Saab was to meet in Colombia with the Barranquilla man and his son to help the latter with his request U.S. visa. Dr. Bagley traveled to Colombia and consulted the embassy several times as part of this work. Although the son was eventually denied a U.S. visa due to concerns about the Saab family's connections to the hostile government of Venezuela, Dr. Bagley expected to be paid for his professional efforts says the confidential document accessed by the newspaper. Colombian Advertisements Another of the jobs they did together was a consultancy for Saab's business in Guatemala. The current prisoner in the United States wanted the professor's opinion on the risk assessment and information about local politics at the time. Dr. Bagley took the job. His pay rate is $1,000 per hour and that he should limit his hours to 20 per month. 
Subsequently, Saab requested that Dr. Bagley receive additional money in the United States and then send it through the company. The purpose of the additional money was to pay Saab attorneys in the United States who were advising Saab and accompanying him to meetings with the United States government, during which Saab provided information on the Maduro government. This explains why both Saab's defense and the Maduro government deployed all kinds of mechanisms in a coordinated and joint manner so that he was not extradited. So, you see how interesting it's become in the, the case of Alex Saab, because now we know who was his contact here in the United States, a professor of the University of Miami, expert on narco-trafficking and money laundering, was the partner in crime with this guy. So it's very shameful, but you know, this kind of easy money conducts uh, to the this kind of results twenty thousand dollars a month you know it's uh, it's sad and we are now knowing exactly what was cooking and how the tentacles of the corruption is uh, going on in the United States and that's just the tip of the iceberg um, David when you hear this kind of uh, news what is going on in your head what do you, what do you think uh, this people who make business to people with people that uh, are damaged United States of America and this is a very very special question because today is Veterans Day people who has to go to, to wars to defend this country against foreign uh, foreign uh, countries that wants to damage this country and you have people who opens the door of this country to people who wants to damage this country you know it's it's something that that you said this there is something wrong here there is something missing in this in this picture so what do you think about this well actually uh, a number of us have been doing a lot of thinking about it and talking about it and um, it goes back many many years as I've said many times but we're now on a road to total destruction and uh, we see it in Venezuela we see what's happened there we see what our make-believe president is doing and uh, you know he's not doing a thing to help our country he's only doing work to harm our country and what do I see and what do I think uh, the whole key to this and you brought it up just seconds ago 
20000 a month. That'll buy you a lot of rolls of toilet paper. And, uh, you know, as we've said on America's Web Radio hundreds and hundreds of times, follow the money. And, you know, we've all heard money is the root of all evil. Well, you know, greed is the root of all evil. And these people that go after the holy dollar... You can expect corruption and inner corruption, and uh, it's just like this guy giving up evidence on this Bagley guy. Uh, you know, he's doing it to CYA, cover his own tail. And this is where corruption leads to more corruption. And this is what we see today. Everything from the big pharmaceuticals to socialize, they're trying to socialize medicine, and everybody's trying to rule everybody. And these mandates are just tests of how far the government can push before the people rise up and say no more, no mas. And uh, so I think, what do I think of all of this is that our world in all countries has become so corrupt that I don't know if there'll ever be a turnaround. Yep, and uh, the most uh, sad thing is now this is the tip of the iceberg. This means this guy on of the University of Miami is collaborating with a guy who is... Um, accused of corruption but not only that you have also El Pollo Carvajal that is that is a narco trafficker so you have things in common among these two different cases and, and you said and the ma- main thing in common is the Venezuelan the communists regime in Venezuela and you know for good that communist is aimed from from 1947 aimed against the United States looking for the destruction of this country Uh, in the last campaign in 2020 Josie Cruz said that we have to reactivate the Un-American Activities Committee on the House of Representatives. And that brought a lot of uh, concerns um, with Mr. Hank Johnson, who says that democratism will return to the United States. The thing is, that the Un-American Activities Committee has nothing to do with Macari, who was founded in 1916 to watch over what is going on in Europe and how the what happens in Europe affected 
the um, internal policies in United States. So if long before Senators McCarthy's crusade against communism. MacArthur? McCarthy, yes, the 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 Senator McCarthy that that has to uh, coinage the the idea of McCarthyism. But you know the Un American Activities Committee must be reactivated because there is a lot of groups here in the United States that are aiming to destroy this country. You know, I don't know if uh, you get a chance to listen or not, but another show that people should be listening to and watching what's going on is Insight to Israel. And our show and our correspondent, Michael Gano broke it out very clearly the other day that China, Red China, Communist China, is taking over Israel. And, you know, he, show, he showed proof. He showed how it's happening. And folks between Venezuela, Israel, and other countries in the world, it's on our door, doorstep. In fact, it's not even on our doorstep. It has opened our door in the United States. Of course. And we have to besides voting, figure out a way to stop it and stop it abruptly. And I'm with you, the Un-American Activity Committee. Uh, Folks, we have to get people in offices that will stop this. Yeah, and uh, there is a problem right now. They are telling us that the United States is a democracy and there is no such a thing. The United States is a constitutional federal republic and, and uh, they are, they are uh, diverting the idea that the United States is a democracy. Uh, I remember something that I read that when Benjamin Franklin was asked what kind of government we, we, you have to decide for us. He said, a republic, man, if you can keep it. And if we cannot keep this republic, the United States, the most important social and experiment in the last three centuries would be over and the government for the people, to the people and by the people could disappear as Abraham Lincoln once said in the Gettysburg Address. So, uh, there is a lot of people who fought outside just to avoid the what is going on right now here in the United States, and that's very scary. 
Many, many people, and we celebrate it today, the Veterans Day. Unfortunately, on Memorial Day, we celebrate that the number of folks, we don't celebrate it, we just honor the number of folks that have given their lives for the United States. Veterans Day, we salute our veterans, the ones that have served, the ones that are on active duty right now, and as I started out uh, my show earlier this morning, I solemnly swear to defend against foreign and domestic. And I, w- I want to underline the word domestic, that the military, when you join the military, you make it quite clear that there are domestic enemies and that it's the duty of the military to defend the Constitution against all foreign and domestic enemies. And folks, you may have some surprises coming. I don't know, but uh, our country is, is being lost, and there are folks that aren't going to stand up for it. And I certainly support taking back our country and certainly want to make sure that you know what you're doing and where you can listen to get the truth, and that's America's Web Radio. And we tell the truth, whether it's in the doctor's lounge, no matter where we are, we're going to be telling the truth about Venezuela and about what's going on in the United States. And once again, I want to salute all veterans. And as soon as you've taken that oath, you are a veteran because you've signed a black check to defend the Constitution, our flag, and you may be called upon for the ultimate sacrifice. You serve in Vietnam, don't you? No, I did, I did not go in country. Ah, okay. I was a reservist. You were a reservist. Thank you for your service, sir. And with this idea, we can close the program for today. Uh, thank you very much, uh, David. Thank you all veterans for your service. And we'll be back next week. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.